obviously I'm a bit partial to to studying history and, and uh, wars particularly. And um, the Vietnam War, which, which was really horrible in so many ways, but the sad part was, I mean, it, it got messy, but the sad part was when, when they came back, how they were treated and greeted uh, wasn't really something that should have ever been done and it caused um, so much grief, depression, suicide for so many. A very dark time, I suppose, in, or a sad time in, in also human history uh, because really what they faced we'll never know and sometimes we just don't know what people go through, the cost and what it's like there uh, in those situations. But I just thought I'd share that. So I kind of like the idea when somebody comes that we, we'd rather say, welcome back. It's good to have you back again. I mean, the, the threat of losing your life, and they willingly go knowing that that's a possibility. They're willing to lay down their life for somebody else, for a freedom, for an idea, for an ideal, for a cause. And that's powerful. And I sometimes I think if we could only capture some of that essence into our Christian walk because part of the analogy is that we're, we should be like a soldier for Christ. So this morning's message, the title of this message is The Sacrifice, The Fire and The Glory. And uh, I just want to say it in Spanish because I'm just loving it and for our Latino, some of our Latino friends. They can correct me. Come on. El sacrificio, el fuego, fuego, el fuego, el, uh, la gloria. Don't you love that? I think I'll say that again because I just enjoyed it. El sacrificio, el fuego, la fuego. I confuse my Italian in it. El fuego, la gloria. Wow, doesn't it sound good? Oh, sometimes you just got to say it in another language. And I, wait, they just, I think I just want to say, fuego. Doesn't that rev you up? I, I used to listen to Spanish um, preachers sometimes. Fuego! <laughs> They'd come, fire! We certainly need the fire of God at the moment, and that's what I want to speak on a little bit. But Romans 15.4 says this, For whatever things were written before we're written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Everything in the Word of God is for our benefit. And we know all Scripture is what? Profitable, as Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16. You know, many of us want the fire of God. Many of us want the glory of God. We all want that, don't we? We want the fire. We want the glory. We want the signs, the wonder. We want the whole package. Well, I, I do anyway. I don't know, but that's definitely. I want the whole package. Everything. Not one thing left out. I'm a little bit greedy like that. You know, it's like when you go to a buffet. You want to try everything, even just a little bit. I just want to try everything. And whatever's great, I just go back for a second time. We want everything of God. We don't want to settle for anything less than all that He has. 
want all of it. We're not settling for breadcrumbs anymore. You know that, don't you? There's no longer breadcrumbs. We want the loaf. Fresh, hot, baked loaf with lots of butter. I particularly like um, butter on my bread. What is it? No, it's okay. <laughs> but this morning, yes, I'm not eating this. I haven't eaten this morning. No, it's okay. But this morning, I want to present that sacrifice, fire and glory are all connected. And you can't have one without the other. They are all connected. And what do I mean by this? If we want the fire of God, there must be a sacrifice offered up for the fire to fall and to consume. And whenever that happens, the glory comes because glory radiates out of God and the fire is a symbol of God from his parents, from his presence. And we know what? God is a consuming fire. So this morning, I don't want to talk about a formula but I want to talk about a pattern that's weaved throughout Scripture for us to consider, to learn from, and to surrender and yield to, and to present ourselves once again back to God. As Romans 12.1 says, that we would present ourselves as a living sacrifice. You know, way back with Abraham, there was a sacrifice. There was fire and glory. When God established the covenant with Abraham, you know what happened? He, uh, Abraham had to set, sacrifice these animals, spread them out, and God came like a fire in the midst, and he walked in between the sacrifice. How glorious. God was establishing something. There is always a sacrifice. There is always a cost. The fire then comes, and then comes the glory of God. And he made a, co a covenant with Abraham. Tell him, I will bless you. And not only I will bless you, but the whole earth will be blessed because of you and your seed. And we're the recipients now of that blessing. The recipients. You and I. There is always a sacrifice. And I think sometimes we want the fire of God, as I mentioned, but we're not willing to present the sacrifice. You know, it's interesting. Little Isaac. Do you remember the story of little Isaac had to be offered up? And, and, you know, I've expressed this so many times. I don't think I could have done that. God gives him this child of promise and then says, offer him up to me. You just can't fathom what that would have been like. Yet Abraham in his faithfulness did it. But little Isaac says something interesting in the story. He says this to his dad. As they're walking up the mountain, you can imagine. And he's going, Dad, um, I see the fire. That's good. It's a good sign. I see the wood. That's great. But where's the sacrifice? Where is it? Even little Isaac knew. From a young age, you can't have one without the other. If you could turn with me to 2 Chronicles, chapter 7 and verse 1. It says here, When Solomon had finished praying, 
It says, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And what? The glory of the Lord filled the temple. And, you know, so many times I've been, you know, I've been Pentecostal for many years now. And many of us want to see the glory of God. And we say we want the weightiness. What is the Shekinah glory of God? You know, often that word Shekinah, the, the weightiness. It is a place where you cannot stand. And that's exactly, as I read on, that's exactly what happens. Do you know if God came in the fullness of who he is, there's no way we could stand. We'd be on our faces. I don't think he could even move. I don't think he could say anything. The power that would radiate out of God if he came in the fullness of his glory. But he comes with a measure of it. And his glory is displayed. And it says, And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down, and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they what? They bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped. That's, that's always your first response. And praise the Lord, saying, For He is good, for His mercy endures forever. See, whenever the sacrifice is accepted or approved, Fire comes, and fire is a symbol of God. Just like when Samson, just before his birth, an angel appears, and then the, the parents offer up a sacrifice. And something interesting happens in this story. The angel, because he makes his ministers watch spirits of fire as well, the angel gets caught up within the sacrifice, within the fire, and shoots up. Can you imagine seeing that? You've seen an angel one minute talking to you, telling you that you're going to have a son, and this is what the son is going to be and do, and he's going to be a Nazarite. And this marvelous thing takes place, and it's so glorious. I mean, they're so fearful, they're going, you know what? Back in that day, they said, you know what? We're going to die. Actually, the father, the dad says, we're going to die. And the mum says, you know, a bit of wisdom sometimes from the woman. says, we're not going to die. If he wanted us killed, we'd be dead already. The glory of God displayed my favorite story in the Bible. Elijah and the Mount Carmel victory. It is my favorite story. I can say that. And some people might have different stories. But I love this story. I'm so passionate about this story. Because it was in a time where I see ourselves right now with what we're facing. Truth be told, we're in the days of Elijah. We're in the forerunner days. We're in the days of Elijah before the Lord's return. That's how strongly I feel. I'm not saying it's tomorrow. But we're in those days where there's so much going on. There's so much mixture. And there's something interesting that Elijah does. And it's something that I believe prophetically is starting to happen within the church as I started to put pen to paper with this message. See, what Elijah did, he repaired the altar of the Lord. He repaired the altar of the Lord. 
And I think at the moment what God has been doing globally, he's repairing his church. He's repairing everything to the way it should have been, to the original state, the church, what it should have looked like, because we've made it something different to what originally it should have been. And God is resetting, and he's, t- and he's looking at people who are willing to put their hands to the plow. He's looking for people who will yield themselves and surrender themselves as a living sacrifice, ready and willing to do whatever it takes to bring the repair, to bring the fire, to bring the glory of God displayed and revealed on earth. He's waiting. The earth is groaning for the sons and daughters to be revealed. And he does an interesting thing. He also places 12 stones. 12 stones representing the tribe of Israel. And, he, and that's what he uses to build. It's almost like, and you remember when the Israelites had to place memorial stones. Look back. Think back. God has always been with you. He is faithful. He is the true God. And this whole battle was between darkness and light during this time. And we're facing that battle once again. I can tell you right now, it has intensified. There is such a spiritual battle going on. And there's a great divide going on right now. And Elijah stands on God's side. And he says, the God who answers by fire, he is God. And you know the story. And I just love the way he ridicules. I mean, the authority, the anointing, the power that he had. And I'm not saying we go out there, but this is what it was like in that day. He displayed the power of God. And I think once again, we need the fire of God. We need the power of God displayed to shut the enemy up, to shut the opposition. Let our actions speak. Let our love speak. I'm not one of these people who wants to stand on a placard. I was quite disappointed with some comments of recent. You know, people would just placard and say, you're going, you're going to hell, you know, whatever they might have been. Or this person passed away and they write, oh, I doubt if he went to hell. I'm thinking, who made you the judge? I, as I read the scripture, it says, don't say who's going up and don't say who's going down. And you don't know at their last breath, their last moment, you don't know. And, but I know this, God wants all men to come to the knowledge, to the saving power of the truth of Jesus Christ, to be saved. That's his heart. That should be our heart. When we look at people, we should see them, where are they going? Where is their eternal destination? And say, God, give me a heart. Once again. Let it burn like fire once again. Let it boom for a passion for you, a passion for your name. Just like the two disciples on the road. Did not our hearts burn? Did not our hearts burn? Jeremiah says, your word is like a fire shut within me. It's like a fire. We need the fire of God once again. It doesn't matter what it looks like when it's of God. You can't contain the fire. You can't contain these passionate, sold-out lovers of God. Oh, but you're beside yourself. That's what they said to Jesus. Oh, but you're beside yourself. That's what they told Paul. Oh, you're beside yourself. I'm sure that's what they told Timothy. I'd rather people tell me I'm beside myself, but have not their blood on me. 
Uh, don't you love that? Where Paul even says, I'm not guilty. I'd love it for us. I prayed yesterday and I just really just sense, I, I wish it would become our motto. It's not on us. It's not on us. I've done my part. It's up to you. Once again, we need that fire of God. I think of all the old time preachers and the revivalists. And, you know, there's a common theme that you hear. It says they had fire. They had the fire of God in their belly. And it oozed out. There was such passion within them. And things happened. Things took place. You know, even Jesus was the accepted sacrifice. Taken up. He was the accepted sacrifice, taken up. And then what happened? The Holy Spirit descended. Tongues of what? Fire. He's given us tongues of fire. Our tongues should be on fire for the love of God to preach Jesus. It's what the testimony of Jesus is what? The spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus. The spirit of prophecy Oh, do it again, Lord. We need your fire. But we need to be the sacrifice. Willing to yield ourselves. You know, I love, I love starting fires in the natural. I'm not a pyromaniac, by the way. It's just that I have a pizza oven and I have a barbecue pit, um, a barbecue, which I like to do charcoal. And I also have a fire pit. Thank you, Norma. And I love starting fires. I really do. Norma could tell you. I get out there. But I've learned to also take my time and prepare. And, and, and you know, if you've done enough fires, it's all in the preparation. It's all in the setting up. And you need to make sure there's well, oxygen able to get to it and wind. You need wood. You need all those elements. See, even in the Old Testament, when God started the fire, it was the responsibility of the priests to keep the fire going. You and I, it's our responsibility. What's the wood represent for you and I today? Reading the Bible, prayer, gathering together, going out, worshipping that's putting wood what's the wind the holy spirit what are we listening to who are we listening to we need to decrease some of the things that take away and increase the some of the things that add take away what's not of god take away the things that would quench add the things that would cause that fire once again to burn bright. I, I, I see, I believe God is once again, even, even for me, fanning into flame. Do you know it's a sovereign work, the fire of God? No one else can do it. You could try all your life, you can't do it. I guarantee you can't do it. I've tried it. I cannot do it. But when God starts to fan, and I start to fan into flame, all of a sudden, when I start to add and build on it, something starts to shift. You can't contain fire. It spreads. 
And when the wind comes and the Holy Spirit comes, it just goes from one place to another. It's so catchy. Aren't you drawn to a fire? <laughs> You're just drawn to it. And many of us want to what? Not, not to say, but, you know, let's face it, in winter, you sort of put your rear end there. Yeah, I can have a bit of fun while I'm here. That's the truth, isn't it? You're drawn to it. There's something about fire. Fuego! Come on! I just love saying it this morning. <laughs> to see people so passionate for the things of God. We need to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. The problem with a living sacrifice, you've heard me say it before, you have the ability to crawl off the altar. You know, sometimes that's the reality. When things start to happen, when persecution comes, we start to shrink back. Or someone wants to quench the fire. You know, some, some people want to quench. Oh, you, you, just, you know, just tone it down a little bit. Ah, yeah. I remember Jesus one time went to the temple and he turned over the tables because he had so much zeal. Zeal for your house has consumed me. Can we get some zeal back? Can we get some fire back? Can we get a little Pentecostal back? Come on. Can I have a hallelujah or an amen occasionally? It'd be nice. I'm not, you know. I'm not one of these, don't get me wrong, I'm one of those guys, the hyped up people, but sometimes there's something that you can't shut up and contain and you go, yes. Do you know, I remember when we first went to a Pentecostal church, Calvary Chapel, and I'll tell you what, some of you remember, I mean, there was always something happening in the early days, very early. Can you remember? Always something happening. God was doing something. Somebody here would be screaming. Somebody's getting saved. Somebody's getting healed. Something was taking place. Because there was something of God. They desired God and everything of God. Do you know, Norma and I went down the south coast, my happy place. I think it's become Norma's happy place. As soon as I go over Kayama, and I hit Jeringong and Jeroa, I start to breathe and go, ah, oh, Lord, this is good. It is so nice. But as we were driving further down, I'd never been to a Milton. What a lovely spot. Anyone been to Milton? My goodness, so beautiful. Perfect. Coastal farm. I'll get with the message. But while we're driving, you know, God uses personalities to come through. <coughs> While we're driving, we saw all the, you know, we'd seen where all the fire, I mean, it must, until you see, you really don't know the devastation. It was so bad. But what I saw was regeneration starting to take place. All the regeneration. And see, fire does something. It causes something of regeneration. I want to tell you a story about the redwood trees in California. I'm not closing, but could I just get the worship team up or somebody maybe uh, on keyboard or strumming, whatever the case may be. But um, if you know a little bit about the redwood trees in California, beautiful, amazing, huge trees. But man thought they were really smart. And what they did was in, in California, 
because they wanted to conserve and preserve these trees, which is a good thing, what they did was every time there'd be any form of fire, they had all this modern technology, modern gear. They could go stop it immediately. So when lightning struck, <coughs> the, the fire would be put out straight away, out in an instant. But what they didn't realize is with these trees, the seed has a crustacean. And there's an unnatural order to it all that God ordained. And when lightning strikes and causes the fire to burn, it regerminates. The crustacean, the hardness of the shell of that seed starts to break. And therefore, you can have regeneration once again. And as I thought of that, I thought, have we hardened? Have we hardened to the things of God? Have we ridiculed? Have we become a little bit smug? Or have we thought we can do it better than God? With all the modern devices, let's get all the mo We know better than the natural order of God. Let's get the smoke screens and let's get our, 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 our big screens and, and let's get our short services and let's do it this way and let's have the smoke machine so it almost looks like the glory of God. Let's have sunlight shining through. We've replaced everything. And the Holy Spirit, the fire of God Himself, we've shut Him out. Not allowed Him in. For salvation only comes through a work of God. It's a sovereign work of God. It'll always be a sovereign work of God. We participate. We play a part. But unless God moves, we can't move. I can tell you, unless He saves, we can't save. Unless He heals, we can't heal. Everything is through Him, by Him, and for Him. And I just pray we'd get to that place where we stop looking to everything else and go back to that place of dependency. Go back to the dependency of the Holy Spirit that we would lay our lives once again build and repair the altar and be willing to yield willing to surrender and present ourselves you know in John 12 24 Jesus said this unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. For years, I prayed for revival. I'm still praying for revival. And you've heard me say this. I went for a, a, a long time of prayer and fasting without food. Not what I'm doing now. So no food at all. I think that's a proper fast, but that's not here to say you do, you do you. You do what God, how God uh, is, is speaking to you and what you can do. Crying out, hoping that the fire of God would come, the glory of God would come. And then God speaks to me in a still small voice when I didn't experience it. He says, God, what's going on? And he says, and I said to him, how do we get revival? And he says, give up self. 
that's the reality. If truth be told, I'm not here to, to bring a, a, a message that makes you weigh down, but rather see if you lose your life, you'll gain your life. If you die, when you, you die to yourself, <laughs> there's much grain. I mean, look at Jesus, the greatest example of the sacrifice of God. And today we have millions upon millions upon millions. A kingdom of God established through one man's surrender, one man's sacrifice. Leonard Ravenhill says this on his tombstone. Well, he, he wrote it on his tombstone. Is the life you're living worth Jesus dying along those lines how powerful is the life I'm living worthy of the sacrifice you know we've all missed it we all sway but I pray we'd get back to that place where our hearts will be so broken for the things that breaks God's heart that we yield and surrender that we'd love one another the way Jesus loved not the way we love by this the world will know that you are my disciple his love the way I have loved you the way I've loved you I wish we could get to that place. I pray that we could get to that place. I pray that we would consider our ways. Consider what we say. Consider what we do. You know, the reality is about giving up self is saying, I put you before me. You place the other to be other focused it's not an easy thing and I'm not saying you can't have nice things and, and I'm not saying you can't do things but Jesus did say an interesting term which we've heard a few times this morning take up your cross and follow me and whatever that looks like to you whatever that sacrifice whatever that cost is between you and him but I know this, you need to lay something down. We need once again to yield, to lay ourselves as a living sacrifice. And God sees, God knows, He weighs all the hearts. He sees the acceptable and He sends the fire because there's an alignment that our words, our heart, match our actions. Everything is in alignment. And there's such a peace about it. There's no fear in it. Perfect love casts out fear. How do you think these people could go to an island where they knew there were cannibals? And yet... They said, we want to share Jesus with them. 
espiritual. Unfortunately, too much of the world has crept in. And I just pray we get back to that place. You know, I love the joy in this house. I really love when there's the joy. Because that's what family's like. You know, we're blessed with family. And, and many of you are blessed. And one of my favorite things is eating around the table. It's a love feast. That was the kingdom. That's what they used to do in the early church. They called them love feasts. And when I see all my children and others, I'm not just saying, but I'll just place it here for now. I see my children around that table and they're interacting and they're laughing and they're helping one another and they're saying good things and they're, they're exchanging the little babies with one another. It, may, it causes me to smile and makes my heart glad. And that's how I picture God. Can you imagine God when he sees his children in that same setting, that same picture? See, I just see God and he smiles. That's what the fire of God also looks like. There's regeneration. We need to display to our next generation they need to see what it looks like. If you could all stand this morning. We're going to sing a song. and I've, This song has been on my heart for a while. And I just kept getting over. And I rang up Janina. Or messaged her actually. I said, do you think we could do this song? Because I just couldn't shake it. But what I want us to do this morning. Is to consider... And I would like it, if you could, if you can, come to the front. Not that the front's anything special. Okay. Come to the altar. No, no. But sometimes there's an act of obedience. But I pray that as this song is sung and you hear it, I pray that on your own volition, on your own free will, if God starts to move you, that you just respond in some way and say, I'm willing, Lord. Even Jesus, in his tough time in the garden, what does he, what does he say? He says, not my will, but your will be done. You know, the agape love of God is sacrificial. We can't get away from it. I can't get away from it this morning. There is a cost. And you and I have to yield and surrender. And God will always use a yielded and humble vessel to display. And I think when we get to that place, you will see the manifestations of God like nothing else. So as the song is sung, freely move, come to the front if you can, and just let the Holy Spirit start to fan into flame. Even Paul says to Timothy, what? Stop.
stir up the gift or fan into flame. If there's a twicker, I just pray that this morning would fan into flame, that you and I would burn once again. We'd be the burning ones, the shining ones, the guiding light that radiates and displays God, the love of God. It's the love of God that compels I dislike all those placards that, that display and say, you're going here. And I just think, oh my goodness, seriously? You've given a wrong picture, a wrong image to who God is. Why would they want to come to church? Why don't you get beside them and say, I love you. I love you regardless. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you're doing. I don't care. I love you. Let me tell you a better way. Jesus loves you. Father, I pray as this song is sung that we would just so come and you would do a marvelous work. That you would do what we can't do. Help us to do what we can do. I pray that we would present ourselves this morning afresh as that living sacrifice and you provide the fire, Lord, that only you can start. But I pray we have a responsibility to keep the fire going. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, church. Bless you. Thanks, guys.